0: The sermon title today is burn with passion and and i didn't want to leave i keep going back to matthew chapter 24 it talked about in there in the last days people will will lose their passion to burn for christ and i want to remind us today that we god is chasing after us no matter what's going on and we need to continue to burn with passion for him And then we sing the song today, let our hearts continue burning for you. Let our passion continue burning for you, Lord. And we'll do it by the power of your Holy Spirit that is chasing after us. That's the things that we've already sang today. And guys, God is moving all the time. You know, I was getting ready to say God is moving in the last days, but but God is moving all the time. God is wooing us all the time. God wants us to be full of Him and saturated with His presence, and He, he loves us that much. And so any today, anyway, today we're going to get into it, but, but I want to ask you, what makes you tick? What makes you jump out of bed in the morning? What makes you want to get up and go? And the Bible says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And today, my emphasis is that that passion, that reason that we want to jump out of bed, if it's God first, then everything else is going to come in the line. If our passion burns for God first, and then for people, and then for his church, man, that's what causes us want to want to jump out of bed. That's what causes me to want to get out there and get going. But Jesus, again, said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So we need to focus on what we treasure today. And the points we're going to make today, I've got three. And and anyway, uh, three biblical priority passions we should have we're going to talk about. And that Satan's trying to steal these priorities, these passions. And, And then the third thing is, is through love, repentance, and forgiveness. What's the last song we just sang about? Forgiveness, the love of God, through repentance, that we can experience this powerful move of the Holy Spirit no matter what's going on in our lives. Uh, This sermon today, if you don't know the truth, it it was about this long and it just keeps mushrooming out. So if I have to cut off today, if I get long-winded, we'll finish it up at Oakton Carthage tonight. But I want to challenge you guys that if you're not doing anything on Sunday nights to come down and join us at Oakton Carthage because it's, it really is a different service when we, we get down to it. In other words, I may say we're talking the same thing, but when the Holy Spirit moves, it touches the people that are there. That's who he's after. But it's been great, great, great seeing the support from Oakton the last couple of weeks. Uh, last week, the worship was unbelievable, and, 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 and I didn't preach I'm not promoting me, I'm promoting God. And last week, Kyle led the worship, was wonderful. And then uh, M. preached; Preach is a great service. So if you're not doing anything tonight, come down there and join us, 2183 Oak Street in Carthage, Missouri. But the word says here today, nation will go to war against each other and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be terrible earthquakes, seismic events of epic proportion. Horrible epidemics and famines in place after place. Verse 8. This is how the first contraction and birth pains of the new age will begin. In other words, Christ is coming back. You can expect to be persecuted. you get that today? Even killed, for you will be hated by all nations because of your love for me. Then many will stop following me and fall away. And they will betray one another and hate each other. And many lying prophets will arise deceiving multitude and leading them away from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. And I want you to really hear that today because that's what I believe the Lord wanted me to pull from this today. That the increase of sin and lawlessness that those hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. God is telling us today we don't have to allow this to happen. We can press into the kingdom no matter what's going on around us. Verse 13, But keep your hope to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. Yet through it all, this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after this, the end of the age will arrive. And what that's saying, there's going to be a move of the Holy Ghost during this time if you continue to burn with passion. So, Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship inside, outside, and online to draw closer to you. Father, for the opportunity for you to draw us in Father, that that you are chasing after us because you want each and every one of us. And Father, no one's bad. In your eyes, you love everyone and you want us to draw into you. And, And Father, you want us to change and become like you because that's what will bring us satisfaction. Our sins and our worldly passions will not bring us satisfaction, but only your way of living will bring us that burning passion that we want to have. And so, Father, today as we broke up, break up in your word, we ask that you again fill us and minister to us in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus is saying, don't let your passion grow cold, but I thought, let's look up passion. Passion is a strong and barely controllable emotion. In other words, you can't hardly control yourself when somebody walks in the room. That's the passion that we should have for God. Passion by Webster is a strong liking or desire for or devotion to some activity, object, or concept. I went out online and I thought I'd like to see what the world looks at as passion. And to be honest with you, there was about five of them that that were pretty evil. You know, witchcraft and and all these other things. But, But other things in there that I saw was a passion for toenails, and I thought that's just plain gross. You know, uh, a passion for snakeskin collecting. And this one here I thought was really a, a truthful statement, but a passion to argue with people online. I think people got a passion for that. A passion for streaking, but none of you in here, correct? What about ferret racing? And guys, I'm skip- my wife's over here, oh my goodness, but I'm skipping some of the ones that aren't good. Rock balancing. How many set out in rock balance? Well, I got to think about it the other day. Me and Amy's been building a, a creek, if you will, out of rocks. And we've been balancing rocks at way more than we do put together. So I guess that's not too crazy. But I saw all those things and I thought, man, Oakton's not that crazy. So I put it on Facebook. What, what's your passion here at Oakton? You know, what, what do you barely have uncontrollable emotions for? What do you got to have? Every day, what are your hobbies? And several of you put working hard, bowling, reading, Bible study, golf, uh, coaching, hiking, running, worship, family, teaching, cruise, uh, vacation, hunting, fishing, shooting, uh, sleeping, puzzles, prayer, revelation from God, uh, friend cows. Uh, Men, Sean were giving Joe Costly a hard time on that, but you guys talk to Joe about friending cows. Uh, friends and then uh, baking, they like to bake. But I thought, you know, what keeps us when these passions that we have in our lives that once burn so bright, what will keep them from continuing on in our life? And the next day I posted, if possible, what could cause you to lose your passion for the things that you listed yesterday? Burnout was a big one. Did you ever think about that? We burn out sometimes. Because our focus isn't where it needs to be. Health, depression, losing sight of God, drifting apart. And this one here really ministered to me, but because I see it across the church, but people abusing my gifts and passions. Those caused me, these things cause me to lose my passion, is what those were saying. But something that Joel, and we're going to call him Online Joel, Joel Manival today, he's online. Hi, Joel. Everybody say hi to Joel. Yeah, so you guys can say hi back. But, but Joel said something I thought was really neat. He said, passion will run in uh, proportion to the value we place on the subject. And I got to thinking about that. You know, so God was high passion and priority in my life until I found value in this. You ever think about that? I I can talk and show you people that were turned on and fired up for God. And and God was what they got out of bed for every day. But then a time came, something of value came in their life. A lot of times it was a a boy or girl. And their passion and their value began to, to land there. And the value of God began to drop. People were of high value to us, high priority until we found value in something else. And we think about wars and things that are going on in this world, that, yeah, we love people until they do something that we don't like, and then our value of them drops. Think about it. My wife was a high passion priority until I found value in this. And you can fill in the blank. It could be your secretary. It could be your job. But your wife had high value at one time, high priority. She was your passion until you found value in something else. So I wanted to talk today about, I believe, three values that we need to have in our lives. And and you guys know them, but, but sometimes I don't think we get a hold of them because if we did, we wouldn't be having half the struggles that we do. But Jesus said the passions we should have is to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor just as much people. So that we need to have love for God and love for people above everything. Our number one passion should be for God's presence. And we see that through the Psalms and David and the people of God in the Bible. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to living to the living God. Do you just long to be in the presence of God? And guys, I long to hear and experience the presence of God. One of you put in their passions is that you long for revelation from the Lord. You long for the Lord to speak to you. And that's what another confirmation today is. My wife walked over and grabbed me and said, Honey, I want to pray that that we are good leaders, that, that we are good parents. That we have the passion of God driving us. And our passion, and that comes from the presence of God. We want God's to move tremendous tremendously in our lives. Psalm 73, 25, whom I have I in heaven, but who have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my My portion forever. That's the passion that we need. The passion for God above all things. That's what gets us out of bed every morning. And guys, you can get to that point that that's why you get out of bed every morning. Because of the passion and the love you have for God. But it takes spending time with Him. Seeking Him. Praying to Him. And allowing Him to move upon your life. The second thing is the passion for God's people. Romans 12:10 said, "Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do we try to outdo one another in showing honor? When we hear gossip and bad things about somebody, do we try to lift them up and outdo others by showing them honor and respect? The word goes on to say, "Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord." People should be our highest priority. And loving God and loving people should be on our hearts at all times. That's why we get out of bed every morning, that we can love each other. And God, how can you help me to love my wife better? How can you help me to love my children better? How can you help me to love my church better? How can you help me love the sinner more? Father, give me a passion for you and people. And that takes us in the passion for God's church. The Bible says in in Psalm 69, 9, my great love for your house destroys me. Those who make fun of you make fun of me. And it was prophesied about Christ and what would happen in John chapter 2, 13 through 20 when Christ went into the temple and he saw the ugliness that was going on in the church and he got it cleaned up pretty quick. Christ had a passion for the church and it was prophesied in Psalms it was prophesied in Isaiah that he cared for the church and the things of God the temple of God so the word is saying we need a passion for each other we need a passion for the church we need a passion for God and I see that in you guys today I see that we have a passion to go save disciples sin I see that we have a passion to win people to Christ and to to help them I told you last week we put a family up in a motel that was homeless Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And i to be honest with you, the, the results weren't where we wanted them to be. But God has done a move in their life and is continuing to move in their life. And things are looking up for them. Why? Because you have a passion to drop a dime in the offering plate to help somebody else. Because you have a passion to give back to God what he's given to you so that we can help others with our time, our tithe, and our talents. The other thing that blessed me, that you have a passion for people and God. That's obvious, but you have a passion for the church. Last week, we brought in another 5000 totaling the principal so far in the three to four weeks to $80,000. Let's give the Lord praise today. $80,000 has gone to the principal because you guys have a passion for the temple and the heart of God. Year to date, 113000 has been paid on the principal and 24000 on interest. God is using you and, and care, and you care and have a passion for the church. Our youth has a passion for God and people and the church. And there's been moves of God in our youth. There's been moves of the Holy Spirit in the youth. And, and man, they're taking on and wild youth has gotten involved in these three things that we're talking about. And things are happening. They're growing. They're going to Sunday nights. Things are happening. But the other thing is they got a passion also to help pay for the building. And you see that in your bulletins today. They challenged you that they're going to do a volleyball tourna- tournament. And everybody that enters that volleyball tournament, that money's going to the building payoff. The other thing they're going to do is they're going to work for you. And they want to work for anybody. They want to work for you online. Call Joe Costly, And he wants to bring the youth. They'll come work for you. And that money will go to the building. They have a passion to do things. I hear it all the time. Well, I don't have the time, tithe, or talent. I, I can't do it. These kids don't have the tithe. But they're going out and figuring out a way to do it. Because they have a passion for the church. Somebody outside of this body that's not even been in these doors, gave $3,500 to the youth because they have a passion for what the youth is doing in this church. Let's give the Lord praise for that. But when we see all these passions that we have, what Jesus was warning us about was point two today. Satan plans to steal your passion for God, for others, and for the church. And that's what he was warning us in the last day. He wasn't warning us in Matthew 24 to make us shake in our boots. He was saying, expect these things, but you stay close to me and you keep loving people and loving the church and you're going to be fine. He was saying that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So today's passage, he warns us of sin and lawlessness how that it will break down your passion for God, for people, and for the church. Jesus said there'd be such a strong influence of sin and lawlessness that, that hearts of the believer that burned with passion for God at one time would grow cold. And guys, I see that across the church world, that that people that are believers are getting tired of the fight. They're getting burned out. They're, they're, they're at their wit's end. They don't want to deal with people. They don't like people anymore. They don't want to minister to people anymore, and they're growing cold. When Jesus said, hey, those things are going to happen, you just need to be pressing into me. It's that simple. But it seems like when sin and lawlessness comes against people, their first reaction is to strike out in judgment or hatred, or if somebody's different, they tag them and they gossip about them, whatever it may be, but we sin to respond a lot of times in a negative way. A lot of times we cry out and say, God, why are you doing this to me? When Jesus flat warned us these things would happen in the last days. We cry out to God and say, you know, I don't believe you're doing this to me, God, but but why are you allowing these things to happen to me? And Jesus warns us these things would be going on, that you just need to continue to press into me. In most cases, what's happening in our life, we've opened that door for in most cases. But when it comes to sin and lawlessness and, and this priority value, if you will, you know, when somebody does something wrong, I meant to have a, a, a grease board and I didn't get the chance to get it. But, but say that, that um, I'll use Jim. I got a pretty high value of Jim right now, the pastor. Jim's a great guy. He loves God. Man, he works hard. Man, he makes my job easier. But when Jim disagrees with me and I don't love him or ask for forgiveness when I get angry with him or to walk with God, my value of him drops. When Jim does something else that I don't like or I don't agree with, if I allow it, his value drops. And we continue to allow the value of people to drop To the point that we don't take value in them anymore and we push them away. This couple or this person was valuable Friday that we wanted to help. Praise God, we got somebody we can help. Let's get them a motel room. Their value was high. But when they didn't come to church on Sunday morning, their value dropped. When they didn't come to church on Sunday night, their value dropped a little bit more. And when they weren't acting like and doing what we wanted them to do, their value dropped, and we make comments like, well, guess God wasn't moving there. But when we called back, we found out God was moving there. But so many times we let the value of people drop because of sin and lawlessness and unforgiveness in our heart and love in our heart and passion in our heart to where we don't want to help anybody anymore. We want to quit. We don't want to help the homeless. I tell you, after being to Austin, I'm not sure I wanted to help the homeless after we left. It was pretty nasty down there and the things they were doing because they weren't acting the way I expected them to act. So their value dropped. They weren't doing the things I wanted them to do, so their value dropped to the point where, man, I don't know if I want to minister to the homeless anymore when God has called us to minister to the homeless, to the sinner. And I'm just using them for examples, guys. But you plug it in there. I've already used our spouse. Man, our spouse is our hero, and we're in the honeymoon stage. But when we don't make the bed, the value drops. We don't take the trash out. We don't do everything just right. Our value drops of our spouse until other things become more valuable than they are. Does that make sense today? I use a lot of examples I wasn't planning on using there. So maybe God's wanting to speak to some hearts today. But the one I had on my heart was Brother Swagger. Man, he was valuable in the world's eye. He went to the president's office and gave advice. He was valuable to this country. And he was accused of sin and lawlessness being with a prostitute. And his value dropped. Over 50% of the college left. In 89, I tried to go to another college and get my credits transferred to, to move to another college. They wouldn't even accept my credits because it was Jimmy Swaggart Bible College. And Jimmy Swaggart never did teach a class. So because of what his di- he did, the value of his college, the value of my credits, the value of everything dropped in the world's eyes. And again, I'm not telling us to accept sin and, and sensuality and all those things. I'm asking that you love God and love people with all your heart, soul, and mind, that you try to minister to them and lift them up and try to bring them away from the troubles they're having. And 91 other reports went out is with another uh, prostitute, then the value even dropped more. When Karen and I went in 2000, I was working for Freeman, and I had a trip down there, and we went down and visited, and, and the college is almost like a ghost town. And it used to be called the West Point of Bible Colleges. And Jimmy Swaggert never taught a Bible college class, to me anyway. It was other godly men and women that taught me. Satan's goal is to destroy God, to destroy people, and to destroy the church. And Satan uses sin and lawlessness and all these things that Jesus said would happen in the last day to accomplish this. Jesus talks about tactics. He warned in Matthew 24, 7, when it says nation will go to war against each other and kingdom against kingdom, nations here can be translated ethnic groups. Think about that. In other words, in the last days, ethnic groups will go to war against each other. The ethnic divide in this country and across the world will destroy this world if we don't take authority over it. Jesus warned in the last days that, yeah, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation. But this and something, even in the, the version we read today, says ethnic group. We're going to allow that to happen. Or are we going to love God and love people and the church with all of our heart, soul, and mind? In Matthew twenty four fourteen, did you realize a majority of the Greek text, Aramaic text, and Hebrew text use the words horrible epidemics? Satan will use horrible epidemics to cause us to lose value in God, people, and this church. We're living in a man made epidemic now, a horrible epidemic. And Satan has tried to turn this world upside down for it. Are we willing to let this happen? Or are we going to take authority over it? Come against it in Jesus' name. Matthew 24 9 says, You can't expect, to, or you can be expected to be persecuted, even killed, for you'll be hated by all nations. Ethnic groups, because you have love, passion for Jesus. The next slide tells us how to respond to persecution. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew five forty four. Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse them, Romans twelve fourteen. Jesus says, Bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, Luke six twenty eight. We need to take authority over persecution in our lives and not let it destroy us. And I'm not saying that you're not going to, it's going to stop. But you need to take authority over persecution in your life and quit blaming God. Quit blaming people and quit blaming the church and start dealing with Satan and say, Satan, you don't have authority here. And you're not going to take authority in this area. Because again, Satan's goal is that you lose value and hate those that are rioting. How many of us like the rioting going on? The the abuse, the the burnings and all that. Are we hating them for that? Are we praying for them and saying, God, let us show them our love? Satan's goal is that we lose value in the police department. Many of us value the police department. There's a, I can't remember the date, but, but there's, there, there's going to be a night that we honor the police department in Lamar, and it's the same night as a young adult's Bible study, whatever night that is, October the whatever, 6th, thank you. And it's a night that we can go out and honor them. But there's some people in the world that, that want nothing to do with the police department, and they need to learn to love God, love people, and love the church. Satan's goals that you lose value and hate the politician. I had a hard day yesterday. It wore out. Walked in the house. care goes, man, have you seen the prayer vigil that they had with uh, Billy Graham and and, and President Vice President Pence? You know what my words were, I'm so sick of the politics right now. I don't even want to watch it because my value has dropped. And then I hear today from all you, man. If you would have listened to that, that was unbelievable. And I told, shared with one person where I was at yesterday, and they said, if you would have listened to that, it would, have, it would have made you feel better about our politicians. We lose value in people. Satan's goal is that we lose value and hate President Trump. Satan's goal is that you lose value in Joe Biden and hate him. I'm not saying you have to like what people do, but you need to love them and pray for them and help them. Satan's goal is that you lose value for somebody that doesn't have the same color of skin as you. Do You guys realize articles are being put out, persecutions, Against the Asian communities are on the rise because the virus came out of China. And they're persecuting people from the, that aren't even from China just because they're Asian. And that doesn't make it right either. But Satan's goal is that you lose value and hate, and you just fill in the blank. Is his goals and tactics working today? Do you still burn with passion for God and others? If President Trump or Joe Biden walked in these doors today, would you be able to love and minister to him today? Would you be able to treat him with respect? What about Mike Pence, Nancy Pelosi? Really? She upsets me. But can we show her the love and respect, the love that God has for her? God is chasing after everyone. I'm trying to put it in perspective today, guys. I'm trying to show both sides. Do we still have passion for the lost, Even when we are persecuted, hated, betrayed, lied to, sinned against, do we still burn with passion for others? Through love and respect and forgiveness, we can embrace our priority passions for God. The key is walking in love. And I tell you to go home today and read 1 Corinthians 13. We use it in weddings for our wives and our husbands, but it's for the church. Go home and read that and say, am I treating everybody that way? Forgiveness. We say the the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Do we really love and forgive people when they've done things against us? Jesus says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So if you're sitting here today and saying, I don't care what you say, Pastor, I can't stand that guy, and I'll never forgive him. The word's saying God won't forgive you. It's a bad place to be. You let your value of that person drop to the point where it's affecting your relationship with Jesus. And only you can change that. Repentance. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I didn't do anything. I don't do anything wrong. How many of us said that? I live for God all the time. I'm this warrior king guy. I've learned. Guys, it always takes two. Two. But Jesus goes on to say in 1 John 1.10, if we we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar in his word, meaning Jesus is not in us. The results of walking in love is in Matthew 24.14. The results of walking in forgiveness and repentance. Yet through it all, the joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world. Providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. Did you guys get that? A demonstration with the reality of God. In the last days, if we can love people, if we can love God, if we can love the church, there's going to be a demonstration of joy that's unbelievable. There's going to be a reality of God demonstrated. How many of us need a reality of God in our lives? I know I do. Well, you love God, and you love people, and you love the church. That's your passions, and that's why you get out of bed, and that's what you'll see. The word says, no, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost. For I am sure neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor nothing present, nor nothing to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. Or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. You go on and read the scripture, and it says, We will not comprehend what God will do for those that love Him. There'll be a demonstration of the reality of God. When God is our passion, people are our passion, and the church is our passion, we'll be blessed. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial. Trial, to you get that? In the last day, there will be trials and tribulations. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Man, guys, when we enter heaven, it didn't matter what this earth threw at us. We're going to be rejoicing because it's going to be so magnificent, so awesome. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And on this law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, yet that yields its fruit in its season at least does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. Blessed. That's the sermon today. I want you to think about that right now. Is your passion... God, loving people, loving God's church, loving the old pastor when he doesn't do things that you like, loving your wife, your husband. Satan's goal is that you lose value in God, that you lose value in people, and I'm going to hit husband and wife and children here, and the church. Our goal is that we have passion for God, people, and the church, and we fight to maintain them with all that we got, with all that we have. We walk in the grace and the forgiveness of God because guys, I make mistakes and I need to repent, walk in the grace and forgiveness and then just try to start loving. I need to do-over about every day. God, can I start fresh again? How many of us need to take a look at our lives today The altar call is, do you still burn with passion for God, people, the church? How is Satan trying to steal your passion? And you need to start coming against them. You know what they are. We know what they are. What trips your trigger? And cover them in prayer. And then through forgiveness and repentance and love, we can embrace What comes against us.